Hi, this is Alana Terry. You're listening to Season 3 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This season's Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook is Torn Asunder, a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea, written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence, and sponsored by our Patreon community, which is raising funds for liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out how you can be involved and how you can also get regular Christian fiction ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes even paperbacks when you join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash alanateri. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you today's episode of Torn Asunder. Chapter 27 Hannah kept her step slow, but her pulse raced as she walked down the hall toward Simon's cell. She had managed to avoid the assistant director for several days, but whenever she passed his office, the skin on the back of her neck still tingled. She stayed as busy as always, but her energy was gone. What difference did any of her work make? Nearly all the patients she cared for died anyway. A weariness hung over her. A heavy mist no amount of prayers or good deeds could lift. Even the prospect of visiting Simon again left her heavy and cold as she rounded the last corner of the hallway. Before the cells came into view, she heard the sound of prisoners, their bodies shuffling, their bare feet pacing, dozens of men breathing, breathing in spite of the squalor, in spite of the starvation, in spite of the disease that infested the ward. She pressed her lips together. In the past week, Hannah had grown to loathe Camp 22, with an icy hatred totally foreign to her. This was all that came from her grand plans, her lofty aspirations. Here she was, alone, afraid, ashamed of sins that hadn't even been committed against her. When she first started studying psalms at the secret seminary, she had snubbed David for feeling rejected. Now she knew Christians really could be abandoned in the valley of the shadow of death. Victory wasn't guaranteed. She thought back to her training when she was certain she would sense God's presence no matter what befell her. She would look upon her persecutors and love them with the passion of Christ. She would tend to the hopeless with a faith that overcame all darkness and fear. She was ashamed of her former self, ashamed of the blind optimism, the overwhelming pride, the assumption she could withstand all manner of evil. As she passed cell after cell of prisoners, Hannah recognized in their eyes the same resignation that hung heavy over her own soul. Every inmate at Camp 22 was her brother or sister in suffering. But she was entirely alone. His head was throbbing, but he sensed her approach before he saw her, sensed it in the collective inhale of the inmates around him, in their tense bodies and curious gazes. He couldn't run to her. Her eyes flitted up to his, and he felt the same jolt of electricity pass through him that he experienced every time he remembered the sweet taste of her lips. She said something to the guard. Simon wiped beads of sweat off his brow. She the one who took care of you? Mao Chin asked. On the opposite side of the bars, Hannah pointed at Simon. The guard frowned but beckoned him over, 
unlocking the cell door lazily. Nurse is here to give you a looking over. Simon felt the hard stares of his cellmates. When Hannah stepped in, waves of protective jealousy swirled around him in his belly. Her chin trembled slightly when she walked up to him. How do you feel? His eyes drank her in. He missed nothing in her face, the worry lines pulling her lips downward, the heavy wrinkles across her brow. He imagined reaching out, sweeping her hair behind her ear, stroking her cheek as he had dreamed so often these past few days. His arms hung limp and useless at his sides. I'm all right. How are you? I came to check on you. Her voice was quiet, detached, but her lower lip quivered. I'm feeling better. I've been worried, he added. I know. Her eyes darted to the side, and Simon wondered what price he'd be willing to pay in exchange for a quiet room to talk with her in private. Would the rest of their relationship be like this? Clinical? Sterile? Censored? He sighed. It's good to see you. She reached up toward him, and his heart quickened even though he knew there would be no embrace. She laid her hand on his forehead, her expression unreadable. You don't feel feverish. There was nothing to say, but everything remained unspoken. He saw she was already about to leave, noted the sad, determined look in her eyes, and he reached out his hand, stopping just short of touching her. It was, his throat constricted. The glowers of his cellmates burned his skin. It was good of you to check on me. She nodded once, and he read in that single gesture the same emptiness that had burrowed its way into his own heart. The guard let her out, and Simon turned away, not even trusting himself to watch her depart. He crouched on the floor, where Mao Chin joined him. Minutes dragged by in silence. She's a friend of mine. Simon stared straight ahead. He wasn't even sure the old man heard. You meet in the infirmary, Melchin finally asked. Simon scratched his forehead. She took care of me there, too. Melchin smudged some dirt on his uniform. Nice girl. The electricity buzzed off, and the old man eventually drifted to sleep. Simon stayed awake, wondering how many more times he would see Hannah before death freed them from this incessant torment. Chapter 28 It's you. The prisoner beside her reached up a shaking hand. Hannah clasped it warmly. With her free arm, she adjusted the blanket around his shoulders. Someone cleared his throat behind her. She recognized the assistant director's voice instantly and willed her hands not to tremble. She bent down over the patient. I'll be back to check on you soon. She didn't know if it was a lie or not. For a second, she thought about hurrying to another bedside, but retreat was pointless. He grabbed her wrist before she even turned around. Her entire being cringed inward, as if she could collapse inside herself and disappear. I hear you made a little visit today. Yes, sir. Fear wrapped its tendrils around Hannah's throat. He chuckled mirthlessly. See anybody special while you were there? 
He drew his words out slowly. I was just checking on a patient. She tidied up a stash of medical supplies and tried to step toward the next bed. I'm not done talking to you. He whipped her around, digging his fingernails into her arm. You need to learn a little respect. He dragged her past rows of beds, forcing her to run at times to keep up. Clumps of hair flopped down her forehead, but she didn't sweep them out of her eyes. He's not going to let you go this time, you know. Sweat dripped down from her armpits by the time he threw her into the office and slammed the door shut behind them. Everything was chaotic and choppy, like one of Mrs. Stern's movies when the disc got dirty. Screaming was pointless. The prisoners who could hear her were powerless to respond, and the guards nearby had no reason to intervene. She leapt away as the assistant director lumbered toward her. Get over here! She tried to lunge past him, but he punched her hard across the cheek. Her head snapped back, and she lost her balance. She fell and thrashed her arms behind her, searching for some way to ward him off. Her fingers grasped a meter stick. She slashed it through the air, but couldn't even see clearly to aim. He growled and flung the useless weapon out of her hands. She crouched down into a ball, trying to cover as much of herself as she could. He yanked her up by the hair, and then he slammed her against the wall. Vice-like fingers pinched her neck. His thumb pressed against her throat, just enough to keep her from squealing. That's enough. He squeezed a little harder until she let out a tiny nod. No more fighting. Got that? She bit the inside of her cheek, certain she wouldn't be able to keep down the great swells of nausea crashing around inside her. Her heart beat against her chest like a trapped bird frantic for freedom, and she shut her eyes. This wasn't happening. This wasn't real. After everything she had already endured, God wouldn't allow this. It was a nightmare and nothing more, a nightmare she would tell Simon about when they woke up in the morning at the Stearns' house. He would comfort her, assure her it was only a bad dream. Simon loved her. He would never let anybody hurt her. Look at me. The pressure of the assistant director's thumb on her throat induced a gag, and her eyelids flung open. His lip curled upward. That's better. He leaned even closer, and she had to swallow down the first rush of vomit. He shoved her against the desk, and she threw her hands behind her to catch her fall. He was against her in an instant, sneering, pressing with every part of his sharp, knobby body. Did your boyfriend have anything to say to you? Did you give him a kiss goodbye? His breath reeked of rot and onions. She shut her eyes and gritted her teeth. How would she face Simon after this? She put her hands up to push the assistant director away, but he gripped both her wrists and wrenched her hands back again. She kicked her legs wildly if she could only get her feet back on the floor. She tossed her head back and forth, desperate for enough momentum to throw him off. It's no use. Tiny drops of his spit sprayed onto her cheeks. I saw the way you acted. I know you want this as much as I do. 
Without any plan, she thrust out her arm and clenched a handful of his hair. He roared and clawed at her cheek, trying to gouge her eye. A second later, his hand encircled her throat. She clawed to free herself. White specks floated in her field of vision. She had already lost the battle. He tightened his grip for a moment and shook her. I said, no more fighting. He spoke the words with an icy calm that chilled her all the way down to the inside of her bones. She strained for air, certain she could endure whatever humiliation was to come, as long as he let her breathe again. The door latch rattled in its lock, and someone pounded outside. The assistant director swore and released his hold. She collapsed and dropped to the floor, coughing until her ribs ached. When he stepped away, she scrambled under the desk and shivered while he conversed with her unsuspecting savior. Once the meeting ended, the assistant director stormed out, slamming the door behind him. She remained hidden, expecting his boots to materialize in front of her at any moment. It was a long time before she realized she was free, and still longer before she found enough courage and strength to creep back to the infirmary. How had she ever felt at home in Camp 22? How had she ever felt safe walking its dark hallways? She licked her bottom lip and tucked her hair behind her ears. She wouldn't think about the assistant director and his hooked nose. She wouldn't think about what he had almost done to her in his back office. Her body still quivered, but she had work to do, important work, work that no degree of terror could snatch away from her. She sucked in her lower lip, her whole face stung, and she wondered if the assistant director had smashed in some of her bones. It didn't matter. There were people here who needed her. Earlier, the guards brought in a teenager with multiple wounds from her interrogations. The humiliation Hannah suffered tonight was nothing in comparison. She should just be grateful for whoever was at the door. It could have gotten much worse. She went to the teenager's bedside, her legs still shaky. Something about the girl tugged at Hannah's spirit, and she felt certain the child was covered by the Holy Spirit. Hannah could almost feel the intercession like a protective shield, and knew someone had prayed for her. She stopped long enough to glance around at the patients in the infirmary. Had any of the other inmates been bathed in prayer like this? As she applied an antibacterial salve to some infected cuts, she wondered if it really mattered in the end. The girl's wounds were quite extensive. The National Security Agency hadn't held back on account of her youth. Is the pain very bad? Hannah asked. The girl didn't respond, but stared at the ceiling with a glazed expression. Sometimes Hannah dreamed of putting herself into such a psychological cocoon, until her body gave out and released her soul to heaven. It's going to get better. She tucked one hand behind the girl's head and slowly propped her up to drink a little water. I don't know if you're able to believe me right now, but I want you to know it's true. Conviction swelled and infused her words. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hannah felt the words minister to her own soul. She stayed by the girl's side for a full hour, breathing scripture that filled her aching spirit 
and soothed over so many wounds. Officer Lang glowered out his office window. The infirmary nurse leaned over a haggard skeletal girl. She stroked the patient's hair and wore an imbecilic, benign look on her face. He clenched his teeth until his jaw muscle throbbed in time with his pulse. He had almost had her. Nervous excitement raced up and down his legs as he thought about how close he had come. If only Officer Young hadn't intruded. But Young was one of Camp 22's powerful elite. If Lang wanted to advance anywhere in his career, he had to kowtow to idiots like that, even if it lost him his evening's amusement. He scratched the hollow of his cheek with the back of a pen. She was weak. He could go over now and take her, but the interruption had spoiled his appetite. More order, Young had demanded. The newly appointed chief officer of productivity was just itching to show the leaders in Pyongyang the full prowess of the Camp 22 labor machine. Higher quotas, longer hours, more structure, even for the prisoners in the detainment center. Demonstrate our authority, Young had admonished. These types only respond to fear. Young droned on for so long it drained Lang of all desire and only left him irritable. Now he was stuck working impossibly late hours without even the chance of a diversion. He stared at her in disgust. Who did she think she was, parading around the infirmary like some angel on a pathetic mission of mercy? The beasts on those cots didn't deserve her compassion. They were slaves, slaves, traitors, and criminals. Why should she waste her sweet words and loving touches on scum like them? Lang had flipped through her file several times, arrested for selling state secrets, consorting with known national traitors. He saw through their lies. She was no spy. She had probably been caught at the border and refused to give the lusty guard whatever bribe he demanded, so he trumped up the charges to get back at her. Lang scratched his scalp and thought about how she had fought him off. She didn't realize what kind of power she was toying with. She preferred to keep company with prisoners, then. He would show her what kind of mistake she had made. One corner of his lip curled into a half-snarl. He would get back at her. And when he was done, she'd be begging him to take her, dying for the chance to make things right. But by then, it would be too late. You've been listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Today's episode is an installment of Torn Asunder, written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon community, where you can get regular Christian fiction audiobooks, ebooks, and even paperbacks. And all the funds that we raise go directly to Liberty and North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out more or get involved today at patreon.com slash alanateri. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.